Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The most teams that could be 2-0 in a 32-team league are 16. 11 this year have reached that milestone. The most ever tied with three other seasons when the NFL had 11 2-0 teams. So what we're going to do in this second hour of this Wednesday edition of PFT Live, we're going to go through the 11 2-0 teams and we're going to give them a label. Contender, pretender. There's still a long way to go. There have been teams that have racked up very good records at the beginning and they have uh, ultimately fallen apart. So, Christopher, we uh, we are going to embark on that process as we embark on this hour of pft live and let's get right to it okay um scale of one to ten is what we're going to use to determine pretender or contender so there's some wiggle room it's not pass fail yeah there's some curve to this let's start with the favorites in the afc let's begin with the team that's at the top of the mountain the kansas city chiefs they've beaten the houston texans at home they they got pushed to the brink against the la chargers in week two where do you put them pretender to contender scale of one to ten i'm i'm i mean the Chiefs, the Ravens, they're tens for me. I mean, I, I don't, I don't need to see. I know. Start they're... with the Chiefs. Okay, just the time. Chiefs. Sorry, milk this cow a little bit. But the Chiefs, yes. I, I mean, ten, ten on the scale, contender. I mean, was last week the way I wanted to look? If you're a Chiefs fan, or you know, a, you know, a fan of high execution on the offensive side of the ball and stuff like that. No, the Chiefs were were not at their best. And the Chargers defense, let's not forget, it's really damn good. Uh, but. I'm still completely confident in this football team. There's no doubt. And uh, like your power rankings, I, I think they're either the one or two best teams in the football. Last week is the game that any team but the Chiefs loses. That's the, the greatness of the Chiefs. Agreed. That they were able to come back and win that game. Right. When it looked like a lost cause for most of the day, plenty of other teams just accept it. At some point, you accept it. And, and that's the beauty of Patrick Mahomes. They've been in that position so many damn times. They thrive on it. They want to show you once again that they can dig out of that hole. And I think that it's having a psychological impact on the opponent now because they're all starting to think, here we go again. Yeah. And the Chiefs are ultimately going to take care of us. So, yeah, I think they're a 10 uh, without question. And I think it is going to come down to them and the team they play on Monday night, the next team on the list. The Baltimore Ravens, they have beaten the Cleveland Browns convincingly. They've beaten the Texans convincingly, and I'm convinced they're a 10 as well. Although, to the extent, like, there's got to be some separate. Does there have to be separation? Can I don't think there does. And a half? Right. I don't How about think nine so. and a half for the Ravens? I, nine and a half. Okay. I, I, I feel like it, it's every bit right up to par with the Chiefs, though. I mean, I feel like it's right up there. In fact, you know, if I was really going to get picky that way, I'd might be go with Chiefs 9.8 and then give the Ravens the 10.0 right now just after two weeks. But the, the Ravens, as we've discussed many times, there's just not a weakness to their football team on paper, on roster, let alone, you know, they're very creative schematically and then they have some big time playmakers. I mean, that that's just the big thing. 
okay, oh, Lamar, hey, you know, the running game this week. And then it's, you know, it's Marcus Peters making a pick this week. Last week it was Calais Campbell getting them jump started. You know, it's just we talk about some teams where we go, who's going to make that play to get them going? We you know we had that conversation about the Saints, and right? Right. Like the Ravens, you don't ever have a question about the Ravens or the Chiefs. We know they got somebody on both sides of the ball where you go, big moment, guarantee one of those big players show up. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what? I'll make the Ravens a 10. If the scale is one is a definite pretender and two is a definite contender, they are both definite contenders through two weeks, and they will continue to be contenders regardless of what happens on Monday night, win or lose. Key players have to stay healthy, though. I mean, that's the key. Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes go down, right. and that changes everything. I don't want to jinx anyone by saying that, but but, but we you know. need to have your yeah. quarterback, yeah. obviously. Or you're, you know, There aren't many teams out there where you're going to say, take out the starting quarterback and everything is going to be fine. AFC Dark Horses so far, the Las Vegas Raiders – at 2-0, and and the Steelers at 2-0. and I expected the Steelers to be 2-0. and I didn't expect the game against the Giants to be as close as it was. The 10-point margin of victory did not reveal how close it really was. And then with the Broncos, it was a five-point victory. The Raiders pulling off that win against the Saints on Monday night makes me wonder about them. Let's start with them. Where would you put the Raiders on that scale of 1-10, to 10, pretender to contender? I'm, I'm more, I feel in the, I'm, I'm going to say a 5 right now, really, right, right around that area. There's, there's, there's still two, really one big question is the defense. I think that still worries me. And then, you know, that goes into the conversation again. Young, uh, it's not like a scheme that I look at and go, oh, wow, it's so awesome and creative. And then, two, yeah, there's just not difference makers on that side of the ball for them either. So, yeah, I, I worry about that aspect. And, and just like we saw a little again on Monday night, Derek Carr was awesome. But we know there was a few plays early on where you go, ooh, there was more there to be had. You know, you got to strike there. Again, they've been fine through two weeks on the offensive side of the ball, but I just feel like there's going to be that week where teams are going to take away the quick throws to the back and the quick throws to Waller, and you're going to have to go downfield, and I just haven't seen that yet either, let alone my concerns with the defense. That's why I'm going to go five. And again, we don't know how good or bad any of these opponents really will end up being. And with the Saints, the jury's out now yeah. on where they are. How much of what happened Monday night was the Saints? How much of it was the Raiders? I agree with you. The Raiders are firmly at a five, and it's going to break one way or the other based upon what they do going forward. And Raiders fans, if you want your team to get the respect that you are insisting upon in the aftermath of the win over the Saints, go to New England this weekend and beat the Patriots, and the respect definitely will come. With the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were viewed as a serious contender going into the season. They were viewed as one of the biggest threats to the Ravens in the AFC North. Where do you have them based upon what you've seen through two weeks on that scale of 1 to 10? I'm like uh, 7 or 8-ish. Uh, I guess I guess really I probably feel – I feel like I'm seeing 7-ish, but I'm going to say 8 because it's the Steelers, and the part that I'm worried about is just like, okay, Big Ben's not at his best yet. That offense isn't clicking – all the way. They had a few stale moments in the Giants game, had a few stale moments last week against the Denver Broncos. So, yeah, from what I've seen, I want to say it's a seven, but I have faith in, in people like Big Ben and Pittsburgh that they'll get this together and the young receivers, and it's just it's new year, and Big Ben didn't play in a year. So I guess I look at it like that. And then I guess the, the defense has been, again, that you know, a little underwhelming. It's still awesome, but – uh, I guess there was chances I would would have expected the Steelers to just slam the door last week against the Denver Broncos, and they let them kind of hang around. So I'm going to go eight uh, because it's the Steelers, and I, I think the defense is still legit, and I just think Big Ben's going to get continue to get better and better. I'm going to stay seven because I don't think either win this year has been the kind of win we thought we were going to get from the Steelers. Yeah. Wins are wins. It's money in the bank. They have the opportunity to improve, as every team does. They're going to need to improve. The defense is awesome. The offense is a work in progress. Right now, seven, it can skew eight, nine, ten, but it also can go the other way if the offense doesn't yeah. uh, doesn't get better quickly. Between the two, Raiders and Steelers, which one's a bigger threat to topple the Chiefs or the Ravens, respectively? To me, the Steelers. They, you know, that, that Steelers, I, I, they have the type of talent and scheme to where like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they were one of the first teams that like stymie the Baltimore Ravens offense and something like that. And, and even in a game like if they couldn't stymie the Chiefs or something like that, I think we're starting to see, I worry about their running game, but I think we're, 
We're st- you know with Claypool a big play last week. Deontay Johnson showed up again. You're starting to see like, all right, they might have some talent at receiver. You know, in a few weeks' time, we might be able to say like, well, Pittsburgh, if they got in a shootout with Kansas City, they'll be okay. I, I feel like it's going to trend that way, but I'm like you. I just I don't know yet. I'd like to see a little bit more. From the Department of Obscure Facts, Chase Claypool's 84-yard touchdown catch and run on Sunday, the longest touchdown play for a Canadian-born player wow. in NFL history. Yeah, so he's he a has beast. that going for him, which is nice. AFC South, Titans the only 2-0 team. They've beaten the Broncos. They've beaten the Jaguars. Both games were razor-thin margins, two points over the Broncos, three points over the Jaguars. Where do you put the Titans on this scale? I know. You know, the Titans are one of those teams. Yeah, they're 2-0. They were in the AFC Championship game last year. I know they're in the top 10 of your power rankings, but I don't know how to feel about them for through two weeks. I don't. I like the way they look on the field, but I don't necessarily like the way they're performing on the field. You know, so I'm, I'm going to say like a six right now. You know, they could easily be 0-2. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they could be 0-2. So that's where it's hard to just sit there and go, oh, I'm going to give them an 8, 9, or 10. No. Um, you know, the, the, the defense still lets up way too many big plays. I mean, for Jacksonville to move the ball the way they did, Denver was so close to making a ton of big plays. Jerry Judy dropped a bunch of big passes in that game. So uh, th- that's where I worry about them a little bit right now is I just uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that defense and who's going to be the guy that can shut things down or what unit is special for that defense right now. Elite teams don't just barely beat bad teams. They beat the crap out of bad teams. That's what gives me concern. Yes, and it right. could just be that the Titans are going to play up and down to the level of the competition. You know, will they screw around with the Vikings this weekend instead of stick it to them the way that they're capable of doing? And then there's that battle coming with the Steelers that, that maybe that's when they rise up. But for a team that notoriously starts slowly, to get two wins out of the gates is good news. Yeah, that's right. Because they've lost too many of these early season games in recent years. But they are really the quietest of the 2-0 teams, and this fits the profile. At some point in the past few years, the Titans became a team that is largely irrelevant. And even getting to the AFC Championship game last year didn't change that vibe. No. And they still look good. And to me, did you did you pick a number for them? I, I, put, I, them, I put them at... Yeah, I put them at seven as well uh, because, look, they should have beaten the Broncos by a lot more than a couple of points. Missed field goals doomed them there. I've yeah. yet to go back and, right. w- and rewatch the Jaguars-Titans game. I- I'm, I'm going to do that today. Yeah, and the concerning see thing was what, like, how that one feels. Right, right. I know. And I don't have a great feel of it either. And I need to go back and watch it too. But just the fact, you know, two long drives at the end of the game. I mean, Jaguars had, a, had like the ball where – we need to score a touchdown, and they went down the field, bing, bang, boom, seven, eight, nine play drives, two two or three times there where you just went, damn, like that was easy. Minshew looked like he was just carving them up, and I think that's what scares me a little bit about Tennessee. All right, the Buffalo Bills at 2-0 and in the AFC East with a one-game lead over the New England Patriots. They'll see the Patriots twice eventually. For now, they've got the Rams coming up who also are 2-0. and Where do you put the Bills on the 1-10 to list? I'm giving them a Niner. I'm giving them a Niner, Captain. I'm stunned. That's right. I'm stunned by that. Well, I'll say this. The only reason they're not getting a tenner, okay, is because I, I Josh Allen, that's the reason. Now, they're at 9 because of Josh Allen, but the reason they're not at 10 is because of Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, we still we see a little splash here and there of crazy Josh Allen. Last week, I mean, he runs over. Uh, uh, a safety and then he runs over a D lineman I mean runs them over like you're like what am I watching Walter Payton or a quarterback here and then he's still fighting and fumbles the ball now luckily they recovered but you just go damn Josh Allen just go down it wasn't worth it but yet the plays he makes are astounding I mean he's one of the best playmakers in the game right now and their offense is dangerous as hell they can run the ball they trust him and then Diggs, Beasley, John Brown, McKenzie. I mean, they got speed at receiver to where it's going to be tough for anybody to match up with them. The kid they got a tight end, Dawson Knox, he had two big drops last week. One was a fumble. He's a hell of a player. So, yeah, and then we know their defense is good. That's why I go nine. Uh, I mean, the only reason they're not as 10 is just that little trust tree factor with Josh Allen. 
The Josh Allen performance for the first two weeks of the season, it put him in a category, and, and this is an obscure t- t- uh, statistical thing, but Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning are the only others to have more than 700 passing yards, six or more touchdowns, and no interceptions in the first two games of a season. So that is pretty good company to be in. Mahomes, Brady, and Manning. Josh Allen has been playing really well. I made the observation earlier this week that the Bills have been looking for Jim Kelly and for Thurman Thomas, and they found both guys in the same person. <laughs> he he needs to, at some point, hit the deck. I The, the way he gets banged around, and I understand, and, and this is the difference between him and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is obsessed with the reality that you need to live another play. Josh Allen gets overcome by competitiveness. Yes. And at some point, that's going to get him in trouble. It's the Carson Wentz mentality. No doubt. And it's fine until it's not fine. Right. That's right. It is. It's the scariest thing. And, you know, that's my boy, Blue. And I just, yes, get the hell down. You know, and the, and that's the, you know, that's the problem. He's been a big physical beast his whole life. So high school, run people over. College, uh, Hey, college, they were so bad. I mean, it was almost, you know, a bad thing for him that they were that bad because they basically just were like, go do whatever you got to do. We stink, so you have the free reign to throw the ball into quadruple coverage and run around like a chicken without his head cut off or with his head cut off and do whatever. And that really set him back as far as being an NFL quarterback. But, like, his school had no choice. He was so far the best player that they had to let him just be raw and go. And it kind of hurt his development there. But – Hopefully he can rein it in. We're seeing him rein it in and just about everything. And even in that area, it's been reined in. It's just still not where you and I would like it to be. You know, I've got a theory, and I don't know, it's more of a hypothesis. Guys like Carson Wentz, who played at North Dakota State, Josh Allen at Wyoming, I feel like they have an extra chip on their shoulder to prove they belong, so they're more willing to go out there yeah. and embrace those hits to show these guys from the SEC schools and the Big Ten schools right. that – that they're every bit as good and tough and strong and 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 willing to go out there and play hard as they are. I, you know, in, in that complicated stew of human emotions and motivations, I can't help but wonder whether that's in there somewhere. I don't think it's crazy thought, Mike. I do. I think those guys probably are, you know, like got a permanent chip on their shoulder. They're going like, how the hell did I end up at that school and did not Ohio State or Notre Dame or anybody want me? I mean, they, 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 so, yeah, they're probably permanently pissed off by that stuff. Are, are you calling the Bills at this point definitely the division favorite or the jury's still out because the Patriots are better than you thought they yeah, would be? Yeah, the Patriots are better than I thought they would be. So I'm not going to say it. I'm, I'm giving them the edge. And I, you know, yeah, I, I probably would have put the Bills ahead of the, the Patriots by one rank in your power rankings if I had a say in, or anything like that. But it's very close. And uh, yeah, I've liked what I've seen with the Patriots. How would their defense hold up against Cam Newton during their inevitable two games against him? Yeah, that that would be interesting. I mean, McDermott is again one of those guys where you he just he'll go outside the book or outside the normal realm of thought to where he's going to bring a few creative angles to a defensive approach to stop some of those tricks and do things like that. Did a pretty good job last year containing Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens when they came to town. Really, Lamar, Lamar made some big throws that ended up winning that game for them and things like that. So uh, that would be the ultimate chess match, and they match up good with that New England offense. You know, I don't know how that will play out. Week 8, the day after Halloween, and then week 16, three days after Christmas. Those are the two times the good. Bills and the Patriots Might get be for the division after Christmas. This year, exactly. Let's go to the NFC North because there are no unbeaten teams in the NFC East. The Green Bay Packers, I, 1 to 10, you're going to give them an 11, I assume. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to give them 11. I'm going to give them a 9. I'm going to give them a 9. Wow. But I, I, actually, I don't know why I'm giving them a 9, actually, as I'm sitting here. You're right. I'm going to give them a 10. I, I am. <laughs> you know, the, the one. If we keep talking, it may go to I 11. I might go to 11. Well, Hey, you know that old saying, if you're staying the same, you're getting worse? Well, Green Bay's just crapped on that theory. I mean, they crapped all over it. They, they said, oh, no, we stayed the same, and we got better. We, they're better. I don't know any other way to say it. Offense is better. They're doing more in the run game, so there's more wrinkles to that. And then Rodgers is playing insane. 
I mean, Rodgers is playing insane. I love that he went 18 for 30 last week. You know why he went 18 for 30 and his completion percent is not at 75%? Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Because they're more dangerous when he's 18 to 30. Because when he's throwing incompletions like that, that means they're taking chances down the field and he's letting go that rocket right arm, and that's when they're at their best. So, uh, And their defense, other than those first two drives last week, have been very impressive the whole year. So, I, I yeah, I'm going Packers 10. I am. There is a chance that they just happen to catch the two worst teams they're going to see all year. There is. We don't know how bad the Vikings are going to be. We don't know where the bottom is. I was looking at the Vikings' schedule. 0-5 is it's a doable. very real possibility. <laughs> yeah. Very real possibility for the Vikings. And it may come down to the Falcons week six to avoid going into the bye week 0-6. So it is possible that it's been a little smoke and mirrors. And, you know, I'm going to give them a 9 reluctantly because I – they created this vibe. They were consciously taking a step back. I mean, if you're that damn close, if you really are that close, and if you're going to be that much better in the second year of the Matt LaFleur offense, why in the bleep are you not using that first-round pick on an area of need? It is. Why I know. I know. do you give up your fourth-round pick, which you use to trade up when you combine it with your first-round pick, to get a quarterback that isn't going to play if you continue to have faith in Aaron Rodgers. No. That makes no sense to me. This is your opportunity to go all in and to get the guy that's going to help you get over the top. And that's what frustrates me about this. If they knew they were going to be this good, why in the double bleep did they not take a receiver in that spot? I, I don't know. Or, you know, yeah, or just address it in a free agency, a trade, whatever it may be. But yeah, I, I had somebody yesterday say to me, well, didn't this kind of prove that the Packers knew what they were doing? And I would go, no. In fact, it's actually the opposite to me. It just shows me, like, did they misevaluate their team and think they were farther off and that they just went to hell with this year? You know, yeah, we're good and we'll hang in there, but we need to build for three years down the road? I mean, because you're right. If you think you're that good and, like, you know, hopefully LaFleur's going, no, you don't understand. Our offense is going to get better. They haven't even got into the, you know, the advanced part of it yet. So all those things and everything into it. Yeah, that that to me, so what we've seen so far is just go, I know it's been good, but how good could it have been if we got that one extra player maybe on each side of the ball just to give a little more juice? Um, th th that could be scary. And nonetheless, it's been good so far, so it's hard to complain about what they have at receiver and things like that. But they still got drops and and things like that too where you just go, it's not clean, but it's a lot better than what we've seen the last few years. They got the crap kicked out of them twice last year by the 49ers. They freaked out. They thought they had to retreat to the laboratory and come up with some different approach if they were ever going to contend with the 49ers. And here are the 49ers falling apart, and it's the last team the Packers currently have to worry about. They should be worried about the Bears. The Bears are 2-0 in unlikely fashion. I have a feeling this is going to be the lowest of the 1-10 to scores that you give out today. What do you have? Well, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I don't know. They're kind of in that Raiders territory, but like vice versa to me, where I'm going to go a six with the Bears. I'll give them. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to give them a six, I think, just because I still have faith in that defense. I do. I think that defense is still going to keep them in a lot of football games to where the offense, as we saw last year, they were eight and eight with one of the worst offenses in football. I mean, it stunk. If they just have a middle-of-the-road offense, you know, I just think they're one of those teams that, yeah, they're going to be dancing around that 9-7, and seven, maybe 10-6 and six type record this year. So right now, yeah, maybe I'm a little more bullish on the Bears, uh, but I'm going to go six. I am. Yeah, I, I look, we're, we're doing a bad job of grading on a curve here. Uh, nobody's been below five. The Bears have to be below five. I'm, I'm going to say four okay. for the Bears, which they probably should be one. If there's going to be a 10, there's got to be one. They can't. Maybe they all could be contenders. I don't know. But the Bears are a four for me. They still have to prove that they, they can do it consistently and not pull the rabbit out of the hat like they did against the Lions. Barely hold on against the Giants. It came down to one play, one shot at the goal line. I want to see something a little more compelling and a little more sustained and consistent yeah. than that before I buy into the Bears, yeah, especially since they still have to play the Packers twice. Maybe I right, am a little NFC West. high on them. Go you ahead. You want to change it? I'll give you a chance. Okay, I'll go five. Go I think five is probably right. where I want to be. I don't want to go to four area, but I like five. Okay.
The NFC West has three of the 2-0 teams, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals with the 49ers in the basement at 1-1. Let's start with the Seahawks. 1-10. to What do you got? Well, that's a 10. I mean, we know that. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, we're talking about contenders and, yeah, what? Who's more of a contender, Packers or Seahawks? Woo, man. Um, I guess I'm going to go Seahawks right now, but it is by a slim, slim margin. I mean, slim. It really is. Uh, but, but, the, but the Seahawks, I just think with the way Russell Wilson's playing, Pete Carroll, Jamal Adams and what he does to the defense. I mean, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, and Quentin Dunbar really changed their defense. And those were big-time moves made by Pete Carroll and John Schneider. i got to give them credit. It really has. It's allowed them to do more things on the defensive side of the ball, which excites me too. Not that I think it's going to be a top-five defense, but I think it's going to be a top-five pain in your butt top five we can make plays and cause chaos every week type defense where they might give up yards and big plays but that's fine because we want to let Russ cook just like we talked about with Kansas City last year you don't want to be doing slow death defense in Seattle get your guy back out there let him start throwing the ball either you cause a turnover or you get the you let up a big play and you get Russell back out and get the offense going because that's the best part of your football team 5-0 5-0 at the bye is very possible for the Seattle Seahawks. Cowboys at the Dolphins, home game against the Vikings. That's a Sunday night game. And then, oh, that's going to be an ugly Sunday night game. Can we flex out of a week five Sunday night game? And then after their bye week, it's a showdown with the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh. They both will be undefeated going into that game. So favorable schedule coming up Man. for Seattle. And I put them firmly at a 10. You're- I think they're... Right now, they're, they're, in my mind, the Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. And you picked them to win the Super Bowl before the season, so you have to think they're the best contender in the NFC. I do. I didn't pick them to win. I think I had them losing to the Chiefs in the in the Super Bowl. But yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. You picked the Chiefs yep. to repeat. I can't go against the Mahomes and all that. But, I mean, yeah. And, you know, I mean, you're freaking Vikings messing up our Sunday night football schedule. I mean, geez. Unbelievable. This will be the year that they go out there and win. <laughs> no, it be won't. The year when they go out no, there, and it won't. Win. it'll still be a great. It'll still be a great game. It's yeah. still Russell Wilson in prime time. No, doesn't matter who they're playing. Right. They could play a high school team, and Russell Wilson in prime time is worth the price of admission. And the, Vi- the Vikings, I'm not ready to look. The Vikings have always gone out there and had to deal with that crowd. Going out there and not having to deal with that crowd could change things. That's the fly in the ointment because it seems like the Vikings get a short straw to play there in prime time every year. This is the year to play the Seahawks in prime time at home. So you keep uh, we'll telling, your, keep telling yourself that okay. I've, I'm, I'm going to hold on to a shred of hope. I think it's going to be a better game than you think. Maybe I'll even pick the Vikings to win the game that night on football night in America. Uh-oh. All right. The LA Rams one to 10. What do you got? Well, I, 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 uh, I guess I'm going to say I'm going to go eight ish. I want to go eight. I'm going to go eight. I am. I just think between McVay, the offensive line being better, uh, and their ability to run the football, Goff has looked really good. And not that he's asked to do a whole lot, but of course he runs that offense at a pace and gets them in and out of the right plays. And then when he's had to make some big throws in the last two weeks, he's made them. So the offense has been really encouraging. The defense, it doesn't like blow your doors off, but they got a few playmakers and they don't mess up. That is the one thing I've noticed for two weeks. They're not doing a lot of creative stuff, things like that on the defensive side of the ball, but they mix it up and they're sound and there's something to that. I, you know, and they're a battle-tested, proven winning type football team. So, yeah, I, I mean, I guess seven or eight right there in that category, 7.5 if I had to give the Rams, but I think they are going to be a playoff team, as you know, as I picked them before the year. I'm more than willing to admit that I'm wrong, in part because I'm so used to doing it. The Rams are much better than I thought they were going to be. I'll put them at an eight, and I think they're going to get better and better as they get more and more comfortable with this new group of coaches, personnel, et cetera, as they continue to move forward. All right, the Arizona Cardinals, scale of one to ten, where do you put them? I'm at a six, I think, with them. I I, I still... I'm not a like a believer in their defense at this point. You know the Washington the Washington uh, offense is certainly nothing. I'm going to sit there and go, well, they stopped Washington. They're they're proven. You know, San Francisco made a lot of big plays, really screwed that game up in a lot of ways. So uh, I just don't know what to know. What their defense, their offense, we know what it is. 
I mean, it's Kyler Murray, it's shotgun, it's stress you out that way, quick throws, him moving, and then the occasional deep throw down the field and everything like that. Um, but I don't know. I guess I'm just not quite sure about how good they are yet. I mean, I think they're going to be a pain in the butt, uh, butt, fly in the ointment, always around the playoff conversation. Am I willing to sit here right now and just go, oh, you know, they're definitely in the playoffs? No, no by no stretch of the imagination yet. I'd like to evaluate them a little longer. Yeah, look, in any other division, I would give them a 7 or an 8. I agree with you. They're at a 6 in part because they have to deal with the Seahawks twice and the Rams twice, and they have to play the 49ers again. And I am holding out hope for the possibility of all four teams from the NFC West making it to the playoffs this year just because I always like a little chaos, a little healthy chaos. That's a little healthy chaos. They add a playoff team, and so all the wild cards come from the same division. And amazing. the fact that they play all the teams of the NFC East and the AFC East makes it a little bit easier this year for the teams of the NFC West to pull it off. Who stays undefeated the longest out of those three, Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals? Um, ooh, I wish I was uh, Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals. It's hard for me not to I, – I'd, I'd like to pull up the schedules and really go through it there, but I, it's hard for me not to pick the Seahawks right now. I mean, just the way they're playing and the playmakers they got and Russell Wilson's confidence and his arm right now and what he's seeing on the field. Yeah, just my first thought would be the Seahawks. And the Rams have to go play your boy Blue this weekend in Buffalo. I haven't seen – I assume the Rams went home. Philadelphia back to L.A., back to Buffalo, the opposite of what the 49ers have done, hunkering down here in West Virginia for the week. But that's a lot of air miles. That's a lot of travel time for the Rams. Home from Philly and back to Buffalo if that's what they're indeed What doing. would you that rather make do? it harder for them. Yeah, I mean, what I'd would rather, – You'd rather stay? I, I talked to Kyle about it last year Yeah. after, after the – Tampa, Second Cincinnati. Of the, it was right after the Cincinnati game. Right. He said that they've done it both ways and that on that second game, the morning of that second game, especially because it's usually a 10 o'clock local time game, Pacific time. Right. The guys are just dead. No matter what they do, they are dead. They were bouncing off the walls the day that they were getting ready to play the Bengals. Because think about it. They've been away from home all week. They're yeah. excited to go home. There's an extra little energy. And they beat the and crap out of the, the time Bengals. change. So, yeah. It works. It works. And yeah. last year they did it twice, and they won the back end both times. They beat the Saints on the back end of staying away from home for a week, and they beat the Bengals on the back end earlier in the year. So I think it makes sense that the Rams may find out the hard way when they go play the Bills that they wish they had stuck around New York somewhere for the week instead of going back and forth and back and forth. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, a little bit of my back and forth with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the rookie running back of the 2-0 Kansas City Chiefs, and the clear number 10 on our list of pretender to contender. We'll have that for you when PFT Live continues right after this. Spent 15 minutes talking to Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire yesterday afternoon for PFTPM. Among other things, I asked him who is getting the Chiefs going when they need to get the engine started when they're getting ready to play in an empty stadium. Here's his answer. It starts with Pat. Uh, Pat is Pat is our Pat is our spark plug. He 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 gets it all sparked off, and 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 guys feed off of guys feed off of that. And and from that point on, we we try to we we try to stay all uplifted. Uh, I felt like a couple of times we we got down, and and Pat is Pat is always that guy to to spark us. And ultimately, he was the guy to spark us on the field. Um, also, and that's what you want from from your leader, and and that's what he is. What's it like playing with Patrick Mahomes? It's different. Uh, he's a he's a he's a special quarterback, and um, in in my in my time, I've I've been able to to line up next to uh, I guess some good ones uh, with with Joe, but Patrick is Patrick is special, and and he shows it every day. Uh, he comes to work, and he shows it every day. He, even if you know, it's it's the simple things. It's the simple things. It may be picking up some trash in the in the hallway, but ultimately. Uh, Pat is Pat is that, that that dude. He's that guy that, that that leads. What do you mean when you say picking up trash in the hallway? Like he sees a rapper on the ground, he goes and scoops it up just because that's who he is. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. That's that's who he is, and you know that's that's who he prides himself on. And and ultimately, I feel like I'm the same way. So so being around guys who who want the same thing, that just want things around to be better. Uh, it only it only makes work uh more fun and it, it makes our job more fun how much have they been flashing around those rings to try to inspire the guys on the team that don't have one to go get one of their own 
it's 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 kind of it's it's something that's pretty much understood. Um, you know, we see it a lot on social media, but just the vibe, just the vibe of of the the entire organization, um, the, the the hunger of everybody, offense, defense, special teams. Um, we all have one common goal, and and ultimately is is to run it back. He's a very good passer. That's a given. But on Sunday, he did some great things with his legs. Uh, is he almost as good of a runner as he is a passer? Ah, that's um, you know, I'll, I'll have to look at look at more of his game. But ultimately, Pat is Pat is a, a weapon with, with his feet. Um, you know, I was I was cracking jokes with him, telling him how how fast he is and 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 the things that I mean he. He can take off running at practice, and you're really not expecting it, just because his his arm talent always he always finds a way to do something with it, with his arm, and you're just not expecting a dude to to do the, the same things with his legs. So he displayed that, and that's that's with I mean that's Pat being Pat. He he has that skill set, and he's he's able to use it at, at any time. He's also got a pretty good hard count. Top of the fourth quarter, first play. I saw he got you. He, they, they flagged the Chargers, but I saw you moved a little bit, right? And, and the, the official didn't see it, so it's not a foul if they don't see it. But uh, he's pretty good with the hard count. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. Very, uh, very distinct voice, uh, and the, and the way that he can he can fluctuate his voice, and then with that stadium being so empty, I mean, you just hear every little thing that he's able to do uh, when he's on his hard count. So. Uh, you know, that's that's something that's something that he has that 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 I'm not, you know, uh, all the way adjusted to yet with, with it being an empty stadium. For the full discussion with Clyde Edwards, Alaire, check out yesterday's PFTPM. It's available on Peacock uh, on demand. And I tried to get him to take that. I tried to see if he would say he got in trouble in the film room. I wanted to go down that rabbit hole because there was a play. It was a key play where. There was a hard count, and and Clyde took off early, and it may have induced Jerry Tillery to jump offside, which was a good thing because it wiped out an interception, Chris, in the second half of that game. Yeah, when they were uh, backed up there, right? Yes. Yeah, right. yeah, but you can see it. He moves, and the, the officials didn't see him move, and Tillery saw him move, and I think that's what caused Tillery to go over the line. But it was a fun conversation with Clyde. I know you've talked to him in the past. He had 100 fewer rushing yards this week than last week, but still a weapon in the passing game, a weapon in the running game, and a guy who's going to get better and better and helps complete that offense for the Chiefs. And they're going to need it on Monday night against the Ravens. Yeah, they definitely are. And I I think the thing that was surprising to me is, um, yeah, the the fact that they couldn't jumpstart the run game with him a little bit last week against the Chargers and kind of get that going and get him in space that way. That's something they're still tinkering with as far as just, you know, how to use him and all of that. But uh, I think my thought and your thought and everything we've thought about them in general still stands true, that he is going to be a pain in the butt for most teams as we go forward here. And they will continue to develop more and more plays systematically that work for him and them and fit into their system the right way. Uh, But, yeah, the Chiefs, they they have a hard time there. There is no doubt. The Chargers give them issues, and it's a scheme that they're going to have to continue to kind of figure out how they want to attack it. One of the things that he and I talk about is he's crossing paths this week on Monday Night Football with Patrick Queen, a teammate at LSU. They've already been in touch with each other, and uh, they're planning on exchanging jerseys after the game via the, the, the remote process that the league came up with. I don't know that they're going to be – willing to do so after the game there's a chance they're going to cross paths in some dramatic and violent ways but what what, what are our, i mean we're going to do our picks tomorrow we've got time to ruminate and let it percolate give yeah. me your early thoughts though let me pick your brain let me see which way you're leaning on chiefs ravens yeah well i i've always had the thought through the last two years like i, I believe last year i had the chiefs beating the ravens in the afc championship game because my thought was always that the Chiefs match up well with the Ravens. The Ravens want to be this aggressive defense. They're going to give you some shots and play man-to-man and do things like that. And that plays right into the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs, who are also a really good like pass-protecting team. And Mahomes is smart. He knows when there's not enough blockers and he gets the ball out of his hand or he sets you up and lets you get close before he makes you move, before he moves and makes you miss, and then he hits another big play down the field. And then with Kansas City and Spagnolo. You know, he's also creative enough and an outside-the-box thinker like we talked about before with McDermott and some other guys to where he'll do some stuff to slow down that Ravens 
uh, run, run offense and all the creative things they do. But, but, this is a different year. And from what I've seen from Lamar Jackson throwing the football after two weeks, you know, I didn't know if he was capable of that the other times they played the Chiefs where I went, ooh, I think they're going to be able to take away some of the run. Can they really depend on Lamar to cash them in the pass game? Right now, I say, yes, I know he can. So I, that's where I'm leaning Ravens right now going into this Monday night matchup. Hey, you see Justin Herbert getting the call a minute before kickoff and what he was able to do to the Chiefs defense throwing the football uh, maybe Lamar Jackson is ready to tear apart the Kansas City defense. It should be a great game, though, yeah. coming up on Monday Night Football, Chiefs and Ravens. What what a great one, fairly early in the season. That's one that – and you, you could pick any week on the calendar and drop that one in. That's an early season gift from the NFL that we get to enjoy that one. All right, we're going to take a break when we return. Unsung heroes through two weeks of the 2020 season will be the subject of our draft. We'll do that next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. There's a look at your weekday lineup on Peacock starting every weekday, 7 a.m. Eastern with Pro Football Talk Live. Dan Patrick Show, Rich Eisen Show, brother from another than PFTPM. Streaming on Peacock, on demand, all shows available as well. All right, let's get to it. The draft today, the unsung heroes through week two. Christopher David Sims, I have a trivia question for you. This is something that should be stored somewhere in your memory banks from when you were a small child. Oh, small child. Now that you okay. are a very large child. So we're going to the 80s. Uh, Here we go. In 19... Yes, thank you. You're already demonstrating your intelligence. In 1986, the Broncos and the Giants played a regular season game. The Giants won 19-16. to Who scored the only touchdown that day for the New York Giants? Oh, I mean, are you guys kidding me coming with that crap? You really think I won't know this? I mean, come on. I, I mean, I, I might know every play of the whole season without even asking me. George Martin, throw to the right. John Elway thinks he's going to hit the back out of the backfield. George Martin sticks his big left hand up there. One-hand interception down the left-hand sideline. Threw Elway off of him. Runs into the end zone. LT rings his neck and tackles him into the end zone. I mean, that was one of the great plays. That was a great game. Uh, and, yeah, odd that you got the Super Bowl preview. The Giants had to make a... I think my dad had a third and 30, something like that. It hit a 46-yard completion to put him in field goal position to win the game. He was 11 for 20 in that game. How much of what he learned facing the Broncos then allowed him to have the highest completion percentage ever in the Super Bowl when they got together again? Well, I think the big thing he's always told me, and, and, and if you go back and watch Super Bowl 21, the Giants went into, they changed it up. You know, during that first matchup, they tried to run and control the clock that way and kind of play smash mouth football and realize the hard way that, Denver was a little more physical than I think they expected. And when they got in the Super Bowl, I think Denver expected that same approach from the Giants because that's what they were. It was run the ball with Joe Morris, and then Big Phil was going to take big shots down the field to Bavaro and Lionel Manuel and company like that. That's the way it worked. Well, they came out in the Super Bowl, and they were a throw-first football team. And I think that caught Denver by surprise a little bit, got Dad going, and uh, you know the rest is history. But a uh, special day. It was 10-9 at halftime. Broncos. I Trust remember. me, we were sweating in our seats, the Sims family. We definitely were. I, I, I remember it well. Yeah. I was rooting for the Broncos. You know why <laughs> of course I was rooting you for were. the Broncos? Because you're a jerk. Yeah, because the, Giants, <laughs> because the Giants beat the Vikings that year oh, in the regular season. They kept yeah, the Vikings baby. out of the playoffs. That's right. Phil, yeah. you jerk. Yep. By the way, Fourth very and impressive 17. for a five-year. Listen, Chris was five, and he processed all that information and still remembers it today. So my only question is, what the hell happened in the 45 <laughs> years since? Well, lots of lots of retox. <laughs> burned a few brain cells. <laughs> Not enough detox, too much retox. Right. All right, you get the first pick. All right. Um, unsung hero. I, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to pick a kicker because I'm going to go with Harrison Butker of the Kansas City Chiefs, just, uh, just purely from what we saw last week. I know this is a first two weeks of the season type of thing, but man, to not only he hit a 58-yarder earlier in the game, but then to have to hit it three times, two of which don't count, and then make it that third time in which it did count, just unbelievable. I mean, we don't talk about kickers enough and sometimes how they can be a weapon to your football team, and he is a great weapon for them because once they get over midfield, they're kind of in field goal range. And those three kicks he made at the end of the game, 53, 58, 58, all of them were perfect. 
None of them had any hesitation. Right? It was amazing it was. to see it happen. Yeah. All right, uh, first one for me is uh, James Robinson, the rookie running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has been incredibly impressive in two games with the Jaguars. Undrafted, which that isn't unprecedented for a tailback, but he went to Illinois State. He didn't go to one of the major colleges. You're rolling the dice when you're the Jaguars on an undrafted guy from Illinois State as your starting tailback going into week one after you dump Leonard Fournette, and he has gotten it done. And nobody's noticed, which I'm sure is fine with him, but he's going to get his chance on Thursday night when the Jaguars and the Dolphins get together. So if you don't already know the name, get to know it now because James Robinson has it, and uh, he's getting it done at the NFL level, and he deserves more praise for what he's accomplished. He, he does. It's a great pick by you. He's been really impressive. Like, past the eye test almost immediately, I think, for both of us, where even in week one I was just like, damn, all right, this kid, yeah, he can go a little bit. So – been really impressive can make big plays can break some arm tackles and it just another story this is more evidence of this is why some teams don't want to pay or draft a running back in the first round and do things like that look at this guy he didn't even get drafted and he looks like he could be a go-to star running back in the league all right I'm gonna go up to Green Bay I'm gonna go to Marquez Valdez Scanting Scantling excuse me uh, he is an so uns- unsung. We can't get his name right. Well, exactly right. Can't That's get- unsung. That is unsung. But but what he's done for that football team, and not that he had to be a superstar, but we saw in Week One stretching the field out deep down the field, big target for Rodgers. Had a drop. Okay, whatever. But Week Two, same thing happened. He still established himself as a guy where now there's two weeks in a row. Defenses are going to look at Green Bay and go, man, Devontae Adams is a pain, but. We got to be a little careful with this 83. 83, we give them enough chances. He's going to run by you, and Rodgers is going to take a shot to him. Uh, I think that's been a great addition just to have an official number two in Green Bay, finally, to where you can go, all right, there's some dependability there in the receiving core. And, you know, of course, the Alan Lazard kids helped them out too. But, but Valdez Scantling deserves a lot of, a lot of credit. When the Chargers let Melvin Gordon walk away, Austin Eckler became the starting running back. And, you know, nobody pays attention to the Chargers. They don't have many fans. If they had fans in the stands, they would be fans for the other team. But Eckler has been extremely good, and he had a great game against the Chiefs on Sunday. And he hasn't had a 100-yard game, but he has been solid. And he is exactly what that running game needs. And he is earning every dollar they've paid him, and he is earning the faith they showed in him by letting Melvin Gordon get away. So I think Austin Eckler, a guy who, even though they aren't 2-0, he deserves more praise for what he's accomplished. And he's a guy that we need to be paying attention to, because I think especially if they go with Justin Herbert and Teams are more inclined to try to take some steam out of the passing game. It's going to make it easier for Eckler to have some bigger rushing totals going forward. Chris. Yeah, de- definitely, no doubt. And you know, you would think too, if they went forward with Justin Herbert too, they'd find more ways to throw screens to Eckler and maybe make the game a little easier on Herbert and everything like that. But yeah, he is some hell of a player. He really is. Uh, that size, speed, quickness really has it all, and he is—he's a huge part of their football team, and we don't talk about him enough. I mean. I almost I, – he's not unsung enough. I was going to go with, like, Stefan Diggs just because I think it's been amazing. With eh. him, but I know. We'll go, eh. Guy who gets traded for a first-round pick plus. I know. He can't be unsung. unsung here. I, I, I'm, I'm torn between another kicker, which is why I don't really want to do this. Um, I'm going to go with Jordan Reed and the San Francisco 49ers. Unsung hero. Wow, what a signing by them, you know, before the year because – Tight end position, George Kittle, very important to Shanahan, what they do schematically, his success there. Jordan Reed has been able to come in, get two touchdowns last week, and fill that void to a degree to where, yeah, you got to worry about him. He's super talented. I'm glad to see him having a little success. Man, the guy's been through it all with the concussions and everything, and I know he even told you he didn't think he was going to play football. Uh, or he, he told, was done. He was done. Until we saw the 49ers in the playoffs last year. That was the spark. That yeah. was when he said, I got to come back. I got to come back. And he got reunited with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, that's been, that's been big. And I would think, again, that, that role continues to be a big part of their offense again this week. Whether Kittle plays or not, you know, they'll have to be careful with him because I doubt he would be totally 100%. And Jordan Reed's the perfect guy to take a little, you know, the workload off of Kittle. I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley of the Falcons. Yeah. He has continued to be in the shadow of Julio Jones. Calvin Ridley is awesome. 
And, and I remember when Calvin really got there, and I talked to him before the draft. He was working out with Julio Jones because they're both Alabama guys, and I don't think he ever dreamed he'd end up playing with Julio Jones, but he's going to be in that shadow as long as Julio Jones is there. I think he's in the process of matching the, the stature and the performance of Julio Jones. He's got 130 yards in the opener, 100, 109 yards in the second game. The problem is they're 0-2, so we just write off everybody on the Falcons. Well, he's been very good. Harry Gage has been very good. Uh, uh, is it Harry Gage? Is it, I'm thinking Harry Douglas. 83. Every time I see 83, yeah, it's Harry Gage, Douglas. Yeah, it's Gage. I can't think of his first name. Is it Gage? Yes. What's the first name? I'm so I just mashed it together into Harry I played, Gage. I played Isn't with a Justin idiotic? Gage, and I can't now. Um, I can't get it out of my head. So I'm. I'm. Maybe choking. he's even more unsung because he's doing well too. Let's see. Gage Falcons. Real time stuff as we get into the final minute of today's show. Russell Gage. Russell. Russell Gage is the guy we're thinking of. I'm just going to call him Harry Gage. All right. But anyway, Calvin Ridley, unsung hero. Who else did you have on your list? Well, I mean, I, I want to question that. I mean, it's hard to be an unsung hero when you're 0-2, but I, 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 you're right. He doesn't get the credit. I had Greg Zerline for that damn onside kick. I mean, that was special. Uh, I honestly, I wrote down Calais Campbell. I know he's traded and a big-time player, but sack last week, tipped the ball in the air, an interception, got them going in week one, his leadership, oh. everything there. He had that big play week one where right. he dropped into coverage and, and screwed yeah. up Baker Mayfield the rest of the game, I think, because Mayfield was either seeing ghosts and or Calais Campbell Flaworski out of nowhere to strikes. tip the ball away. Flaworski. I got to go watch some film. We're out of time. Yeah, I'm I know glad we we're are. out of time. I need to watch some film. I'm going to put on my Ron Jaworski glasses and uh, go watch the Jaguars-Titans game. Hey. Everybody, enjoy the day. We'll see you tomorrow with another edition of PFT Live. See ya. Don't dress like me tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.